Welcome in to the DNVR Draft Podcast, presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I have Andre Simone calling in to talk draft with us all day. How's it going, Andre? Good, man. How are you doing? Uh, great. Um, I'm I'm properly manscaped, which is wow, awesome. Oh. Well, I mean, not not okay. everywhere, like like in the technical ways. Um, my leg hair is still just a little bit <laughs> short. It's going to take a while to recover, oh, no. I think. Yeah. Uh, Did I tell you about that yet? I've read about it in different different mediums and apps. Hey, Hank, is that That's uh, like your phone notifications or something? But I kind of hear a buzzing. Oh, okay. I'll put you somewhere else. Oh, I, I'll turn on Do Not Disturb. There we go. Um, there we go. There we go. Okay. Uh, so Manscaped is incredible. Um, they, they hooked all of us up and they'll hook you up too with a discount and free shipping. If you use the code DNVR 20, you get 20% off and, uh, there's really no reason not to, unless you don't think you can trust yourself in a quarantine to, uh, not try to trim your leg hair because it doesn't go well. Mm. Mm. I mean, I'm surprised that didn't go well because I swear that phenomenal phenomenal razor of theirs can do anything anywhere after the places it has shown me it can succeed so um i am surprised of your leg hair debacle but then again that's not what it's meant for so and it's exactly. you like, and god love it, you yeah <laughs> it, it, it's not a problem with a shaver at all because it was actually kind of impressive that it took this much hair off of my legs um I don't think, I mean, maybe it's just meant for hairier men than me. I don't know. But uh, the problem is just that I got the length wrong, and now it's just a, a little bit tight. But that shouldn't stop you guys from using it because That's you incredible. know better than I do. Uh, use the code DNVR20. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All right. Uh, so big news today. I feel like that's where we have to start. The Broncos sign Melvin Gordon. What's your initial yep. reaction? Two years, $16 million, $13.5 million guaranteed. Well, I mean, as the um, draft and develop and analytics snob that I am, I'm um, I, I, I'm a little scared off by by that money for a veteran running back um, who you know whose production has really fallen off, and I'm not sure what kind of a you know what kind of competition and open market there really was other places. But from a draft perspective, it's interesting that. Um, Denver has definitely filled that need. You like the fact that he's a, a receiving back and he's got that power. And, you know, if he ever, if he ever could get his legs to be at the level they were at when he was at Wisconsin and he starts to break off some bigger runs, then he, he might actually deserve a lofty contract like that. But it's a, it's a big if, and I'm always concerned of, you know, how much room to grow is it? Is there in this? Mm-hmm. Cause even if he's a pro bowler, He's basically just justified the contract. He's not going to outplay the contract. Um, to yep. outplay that of, contract at that position, you you really have to do some big stuff. Yeah, right now he's the sixth highest paid running back in the NFL, which means what? If there's three guys going to the Pro Bowl from each conference, mm-hmm. then there you go. That that means the Pro Bowl is the bar for him. And I think he can do right. it. You know, we had a down year, but before that, uh, even even 2018. 
he played well. Last summer, he was in the NFL top 100 rankings that they do every summer um, as number 34. You know, coming into last season, Madden hadn't had him as the fourth best running back in the entire league. Like things didn't go well for him last year, but there's a reason he turned down a $12 million a year contract um, from the Chargers during that holdout. Like he had been playing better ball than that. Um, things didn't go well. Maybe it's because of the holdout. Maybe it's because he missed so much time um, that he never got his legs under him. Like, I do think it's a, a unique circumstance. I'm not ready to just write him off yet. Um, $8 million might be a little bit steep, but, uh, you know, I, I do think that there is a very real chance that he lives up to it. Especially, you know, Mike Kliss saying the Broncos anticipate him being the bell cow back um, with Phil kind of being a sub guy, which I mean, imagine a pro yeah, bowler just spelling the starter. Yeah. So, yeah, and I guess in another way, my maybe my bigger disappointment is I was really starting to let myself dream of guys like Cam Akers or Anthony yeah. McFarland or, you know, even my guy Joshua Kelly or Clyde mm-hmm. Edwards-Hilaire or Zach Moss donning a Broncos uniform and that being the bell cow. Now, I understand, aside from Edwards-Hilaire and Akers, a lot of those guys, well, Kelly, maybe half of the guys I just rattled off don't have the receiving prowess that Gordon has. So that's definitely worth worth something. And you hope that at just 27 years of age, he can bounce back and get um, get back to that form that he had in his uh, early to mid-20s. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that he might even be a better fit in Denver because... Austin Eckler, you know, he does a lot of great things, but what he's best at is being a receiving back. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of the situation that he was used in, and that took some of those snaps away from Melvin Gordon. That means Melvin in Denver is probably getting more of those snaps and sure. less of just the straight up. So, you know what? Maybe maybe that fit sure, helps too. And yeah. he's only yeah, 26 yeah. until April 13th. So just want to throw that out there. Yeah, and I got to say, I mean, as you guys have read some of the film rooms, Jarrell Casey will be coming out um, here in the next couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I'll dig into Gordon and Jeff Driscoll as well. I think the Broncos free agency outside of my feelings with pain, a running back has really panned out nicely um, for starters, you know, from a draft perspective, the fact that the two biggest acquisitions were made by trading for A.J. Bouye and Jarrell Casey rather than just paying free agents and what this is going to do in allowing them to accumulate compensatory picks. Because that's another part of this Gordon move I don't love is it basically nullifies the compensatory pick they were going to get for Chris Harris Jr. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, you and that Connor McGovern right there, too, as well. Right, exactly. About They'll get the same one from money. there. Um, and we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens with with these other guys. And Graham Glasgow, um I I truly underestimated that signing to be able to pick him up when Joe Tooney and Brandon Scherf were already gone, um, because they, they got tagged by their teams to get the best interior offensive linemen available in this free agent class at a pretty respectable money um boy his tape just 
was so impressive. He's so incredibly sound. His production last year, those O-line stats of allowing zero sacks and just one holding penalty all of last season when, you know, that offense really struggled um, is incredibly impressive. So I'm really, really impressed by what the Broncos have been able to do so far. And it sets up for a nice draft. And that's what we're here to here to talk about. Yep. And again, Melvin Gordon not running behind a great offensive line in uh yeah, in San Diego and then also in LA. You know, maybe sure. maybe he can get a little more help in Denver. Not saying it's a great offensive line, but there's potential. They they're sure. gonna try to do something. Um okay. Uh so here's some takeaways. I think that the Melvin Gordon signing means that you likely don't see a running back drafted. That'd kind of be a surprise at this point. Um, I also think that it means that they yeah. are more likely to try to package one of those day two picks that they would have used on a running back to move up somewhere in the draft. Um, Jarrell Casey, I don't think it really changes much draft-wise. Um, you, uh-huh. you still have needs um, on the you defensive still have- line. Right. You still need to add depth. So maybe rather than a pick with the first two picks... Now you can yep. wait on, you know, late day two, maybe even day three to add more of a depth defensive lineman than, you know, having to get an immediate starter right away. Yep. But at the same time, I think I texted you right after it happened, you know, Javon Kinlaw next to Jarrell Casey with Von Miller and Bradley <laughs> Chubb outside him. That does sound pretty great still. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I think I need. I think I was just right before popping on, I was seeing someone was responding to a tweet of mine saying um, they thought they thought Kinlaw um, now seems more likely. Um, and look, what's the, the the bummer here is how the San Francisco factor into all this with that having traded up to that 13th pick and do the Broncos mm-hmm. now try to move up. And all of a sudden, it, is, it isn't for Henry Ruggs. Maybe it's for someone like Kinlaw. And I'm still convinced Derek Brown could drop a little bit. So we'll see. See, I mean, like if, if Derek Brown is there, then I think you'd, you'd pull the trigger and say we're having a super defensive line. Javon Kinlaw, with all the other needs, yeah. I still don't think you can justify it, even though it would be incredible to actually see on the field. Yeah, and we got to remember, I mean, Kinlaw's still raw, um, hasn't always been able to play up to his potential. You know, he he talked at the Senior Bowl about how this was the best he's felt in years, and you wonder, you know, has, how much of these, like, little nagging injuries he's played through the last couple seasons will affect him long-term. Um, Kinlaw's interesting, though, because it does feel like there's a clear divide in that defensive line position of – you really kind of get one of those top two guys or you're going to have a bit, a bit of, you know, there's a drop for sure. Agreed. Okay. So uh, the plan for today was to spend some time talking about a great question we got from Count Locula last week that we felt deserved more time than we could give it in the questions section of a two hour long podcast. So here's the question for those of you who may have forgotten from Count Locula. Let's, for a moment, inculcate your status as omnipotent draft gods and deem your celestial meddling in the world of Broncos affairs to be final and severe and proclamatory. Enough postulation, that is. I'd like to hear your wishes on the outcome of the full complement of Broncos picks as you imagine them in a best-case scenario. 
In other words, let's pretend the draft goes exactly the way you plan it for the Broncos, including trades and any permutations you can dream up. Please provide us, your humble listeners, with a final draft board that expresses your divine underwriting on the 2020 orange and blue freshman class. Something where, at the end, the big Tabowski will be sipping a Caucasian and thinking that sixth round pick really ties the draft together. Does it not? Love the count. So, uh, for those of you who don't know big words, um, basically that means <laughs> we're going to go through our best case scenario for the draft. And I ran through this earlier and it's actually really hard. Um, like I said, I think that you try to move up um, maybe back into the second round using some of these picks. You have 10 picks. You just filled that running back need. Um, and so that's what I did. Uh, let's just talk through my ideas and then we'll talk through some of your stuff, Dre. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Um, so, uh, pick 15, you know, I, I, I was tempted to try to move up here, but then figured in a perfect scenario, the guy that you want is just falling to you. Um, Isaiah Simmons is that guy to me. That's unrealistic though. Um, so I have either CD lamb or Jerry Judy falling. Um, that's kind of my dream scenario. I landed on Judy, um, just because I think it's a little more realistic, and I think that the way hey. the draft falls, I like the bigger receivers in the second round, third round, better than I like the smaller receivers there. Yep. What do you Fair think enough. of that? Yeah? No, I think that's great. It plays right into what we were talking about last week, where we're coming around to the idea of wide receiver round one, and then wait till round two for that developmental tackle who might have yep. similar upside to what those top four guys have. And then you're rolling. Agreed. And that's what I did in the second round um, with Ezra Cleveland uh, coming in um, and filling yeah. that developmental tackle. And I think maybe he's the starter um, out of Boise state, maybe day one in place of Garrett Bowles. Is Could that crazy? Be. Yeah, Could be. I think so. He's uh he's um, the one guy in this class without debate is definitely a better athlete than Garrett Bowles, which is saying a lot because Garrett Bowles athletically is right up there. And again, it could be Ezra Cleveland, it could be Austin Jackson, it could be Prince Tega Wanagu, Shadiq Charles, Lucas Niang, any of those guys in that range, I'm kinda happy with. I'm not even gonna sweat too much who we're getting. I agree. I totally agree. I picked Ezra Cleveland because he's my favorite out of that bunch. But yeah, sure. it's Lucas Niang, I'm feeling pretty good. Austin Jackson, the versatility is great. I don't know. Um, moving mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Here's the first big move. Uh, mm. Trading pick 118, um, a fourth rounder. Uh-huh. Combining that with pick yeah. 83, a third rounder, and 181, yeah. a sixth rounder. Getting back yeah. into the second round, picking up a receiver. Um, and in this case, it's kind of just that that'll probably get you into the back end of the sec- second round and uh-huh. give you an opportunity to take, you know, if Visca ends up falling, um, he'd probably be my yeah. dream scenario. I don't think that surprises anybody. Uh, yeah. Denzel Mims, if, no. if he falls, um, he'd be great. Uh, T Higgins. Yeah. If he highly, falls. And again, highly doubt it, but yeah, yeah. T Higgins. I could yep. see T Higgins. Now that I could see. Okay. Pittman, I could and, see as well. Yeah, I, I think that any of those guys, um, I think there's a good chance that one of them ends up falling to where you can get packaging those picks together. 
Um, you yeah. know, there's also yeah. guys like Jalen Rager, KJ Hamler, um, Brandon Ayuk. I'm not quite mm-hmm. as high on them as I am some of those other guys, but you know what? If if they're who's there, then that's probably your backup plan. Um, want just let's just call that T Higgins. We'll say you got Jerry Judy, Ezra Cleveland, T Higgins. Then you're moving on to pick 77, and that's where I have the Broncos going with Devon Hamilton, uh, the big nose tackle out of Ohio State. Um, he's mm-hmm. only played one year. Um, he's obviously stout against the run, very good there. And I, mm-hmm. I think that over time he be, could become a better pass rusher. Because when you look at the Broncos' defensive line right now, you know, Draymond Jones, Demarcus Walker, um, Jarrell Casey, you have a lot of pass rushers. I think yeah. you need somebody who can just plug up the middle like Devon Hamilton. Right, to kind of be in that rotation with Mike Purcell, who by seems by all accounts they will be able to retain. And I guess I would mm-hmm. throw in like a Lecky Foto could be in that mix too, but I like your your yep. pick of Hamilton here. Okay. Um, would you have gone defensive line there? I think it's a must. I think it's a must. Um, I almost question doubling up on wide receiver more so than adding uh, to the to the offensive line, though I you know I hear your reasoning. It's it's you're going to play a lot of eleven personnel. Basically, going to start three receivers at all times. Do you think Tim is the best option to start, or do you load up in a great class and add someone like T Higgins or Visca? I get it. It's great reasoning. I would almost get Hamilton now and see if I can get a a Strobridge or even, you know, like a mm-hmm. Christian Rector, uh, you know, someone with a little more pass rushing, a Khalil Davis of Nebraska, someone in that later base um, to even add more because the, the rotation's going to need people right now. It's just going to be Purcell, Casey, uh, Draymond Jones, and Douglas Walker is really your only backup under contract. Yeah. Who knows what happens with Wolf? We got to see that. Maybe got this on like a league minimum deal, though I doubt it. Um, so, you know, you just need just a little more depth there. So I- I'm yep. with you a hundred percent. Okay. I like that. I like to hear that. Uh, and um, it is worth noting that the Broncos have like $16 million left um, when you take out the money that they've already spent and take out the money for uh, the rookies that'll be coming in. So maybe you spend, eight of that to bring back Derek Wolf. And then that might change them some things. But as it stands now, I think that Devon Hamilton would be a good get right there. Uh, next pick is number 95. And I have the Broncos going with Troy Dye. Again, a little bit optimistic, but that's what we're doing here. Um, he's probably gone like in the 80s, maybe even a little bit earlier, but following well, the 95 Well, you could almost swap too him crazy. and Hamilton, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that's possible for sure. And if it's not Hamilton, pick up somebody else. Um, but right, Troy right. Dye, maybe Fosu's there, yeah. Yep. Troy Dye, we've talked a lot about. Um, mm-hmm. Really like him. Converted safety from linebacker, plays for Oregon. He's been in the middle of that defense. He's your coverage guy. Mm-hmm. You probably rotate him into cover as a rookie. Yeah. Um, who knows? Maybe he takes a starting job at some point this season, and then you plan on him becoming a starter year two. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, good if you get Troy Dye there, come on, like Troy Dye would yeah. be stupid good value at that point. Yeah, I, I, I am good with linebacker. I think that's kind of something you, you, okay, want to prioritize a linebacker like that to try and add with one of those uh, 
around three picks, you know. And I mean, if Troy isn't around, you know, you start to think of Davion Taylor, you start to think of Akeem Davis Gathers, uh, Jordan Brooks mm-hmm. from Texas Tech. There, you know, you go down the list, you start to let's add someone here. You know, if it gets late and we still haven't got that that linebacker in day three. You start to look at Logan Wilson's and your guys, Dante Olson and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, next pick up is number 178. And with 178, I have them going with Shane Lemieux. Again, that one's probably the most optimistic pick of any of them. Um, yeah. But I think it's possible. And again, like you are saying, if he's not there, then uh, you look at... Uh, you know, Solomon Kinley, he's another guy who maybe falls. Um, ben Breedson from Michigan. Um, or uh-huh. even Jake Hansen, mm-hmm. another guy from Oregon. Um, yeah, I think yeah, that's definitely. You try to bulk up the interior of offensive line. Maybe you find somebody who can um, take a job, or maybe it's a developmental guy. Just got to see how guys right. pan out from this range. No, I mean, someone to compete with Wilkinson and Morris in that third starting interior offensive line spot. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's smart. I think Thockmorton, whose stock has fallen off a little, yep. uh, might even be available by that point. I think John Runyon, the left tackle for Michigan, who's not not seen as super projectable and will have to move inside, he could also be available at that point. I mean, the, there will be guys uh, in that range, and that's where I think you're right to kind of want a pounce and who knows one of these one of these dudes that we like for whatever reason could drop to this pick and then you take it and there's a you know maybe by 2021 that can be a starter on the offensive line as well yep i agree and that leaves one pick left late in the seventh round i haven't taken Braden man the punter um because he's a really good punter and they need a better punter Makes sense. Um, the only thing I would argue is not ideal is that they weren't able to get another corner. Yeah, and that's the thing with trading up. Um, maybe you can hold on to that sixth-round pick and still grab one of those receivers who falls. Maybe you hold right. on to all three of those picks, get a lower-tier receiver at 83, spend that 118 mm-hmm. and bring in Biotish, for example. Then you use that Shane Lemieux pick on a corner. Um so there are different ways it could be. Right. Um, I think right. I mean, trading up is if... really interesting, but I don't know. Yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, that value you get, you essentially get three th- three borderline first-round values with your first three picks there um, without having to give up that much. But, yeah, adding like a Darnay Holmes, uh, mm-hmm. Michael o- OJ, uh, Iowa, Troy Pride Jr., Bryce Hall, Ooh, that'd be intriguing if you could get that with like a round three pick. Instead of T. Higgins or Visca, you're still able to get, I don't know, Gabriel Davis, Gandy Golden, Tyler Johnson, KJ Hill, you know, so still not scrub at wide receiver either. Um, yep. I think that, that could yeah. be possible. Could be possible. I think so too. And, you know, those are good players. And I think that you probably expect Tim Patrick to still be your number three this year. And that's not all that bad you know as much as as much fun as it'd be to have your super offense with phil Lindsay and melvin gordon at running back with noah fant at tight end with Cortland sutton jerry judy 
and who knows, Denzel Mims or T. Higgins at receiver, maybe that's yeah. a little bit irresponsible. But also think about well, how I mean, fun you're, it could be and how well you Yeah, you're stacking talent. Right. No, you're stacking mm-hmm. talent. I mean, I can't blame you. And as long as you're still addressing the O-line, which you're doing in this scenario, I mean, I'm all for it. And look, maybe they feel like just adding another body in camp isn't worth it because they think they saw some good development from Yadam. You know, you got to remember mm-hmm. just just a year ago at this time last year, we were starting to talk about, well, do they need to look at options at safety because Justin Simmons yep. just hasn't developed and Will Parks isn't really that guy at this point. You know, a lot can change in a year where it seems like maybe Will Parks will make them a decent, decent amount of money and Simmons has been tagged. Um, Yep. So a lot changes well, I mean, for those guys once they reach that contract season. I remember Malik Jackson's way. Mm, yeah, kind of really cool. Then he blows up that final season, and it was like, okay, he's going to have to look for big money because they can't even pay him. Yep, and they still have $16 million to throw around. You know, the Prince of Mukamara could still happen. Um, sure. You know, we sure. were talking right. before this Good about point. Xavier Rhodes. Like, what if you go after the big name? Um I don't know. They bring back yeah. Derek Wolf, and defensive line becomes less problematic. Mm-hmm. And they could, I mean, the, right. Will Parks still have him play that slot corner and go a little bit heavy. Um, you know, that's that's on the table. So it kind of does depend on right. where this money goes. And no matter how it shakes out, seven picks I think is probably enough. That's why I feel better uh-huh. about trading up. You know, if if they do bring in one more offensive lineman. Um, then maybe you don't take Shane Lemieux there and you take um, a cornerback in that spot. So as it stands now, I I guess this draft works out best if maybe you do bring in just a rotational defensive line piece. You bring in a Prince of Mukamara type at corner um, and, and then you still probably have money to bring back a Will Parks if you want to. Yeah, and maybe... Yeah, and I mean, maybe we're just too concerned with need, and that makes it less than ideal instead of adding best player available. And that's why I, I think you did a good job of balancing that. So hopefully um, hopefully that fits the lofty, uh, the, the, uh, the, the lofty goal we set out to accomplish with this ideal draft. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know. It's fun, though, to kind of look at it. And I'm not sure how much things will change in the next few weeks. Because all this could be totally different. You know, they could still make a run mm-hmm. at a receiver, too. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Right. Okay. As soon as you take one wide receiver in free agency, then doubling up on receiver in the draft just becomes much less likely. Yeah. And then with that second round pick, maybe you're looking at a Biotish. Mm-hmm. and solidifying right, right, that right. center spot. Or maybe Lloyd Cushenberry is still around, and that would change Oof. some things. That'd be a lot of Yeah, fun. that's for sure. That's for Setting sure. up Phil and Melvin Gordon. Okay. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. I wouldn't mind taking um, or like picking up a free agent receiver. I think that could put him in a really good spot. Ah, man. Okay. Uh, let's talk for a second about our good friends at Breckenridge Brewery. Um, they're helping all of us get through this time locked inside. 
It's nothing yeah. I really want more right now than a strawberry sky. Mm. When I look at like so true. the way that I'm facing away from my window, it just looks like it's sunny outside. You can't tell that everything's covered in snow. And like it's nice and warm uh-huh. in here. I could just drink like a strawberry sky and pretend that the weather's still great and fun. That's kind of a great idea. But I know yeah. uh, I've been loving that sampler on these on these cold mm. nothing but lagers and agave wheats and vanilla porter juniors and all that good stuff. Yeah, well, my mom just ordered me um, a Whole Foods Amazon Prime delivery grocery thing so that I wouldn't go to the store and get sick, um, which is pretty exciting. Legend. Um, I know. That's amazing. I'm pumped about that, which means my food budget is going to turn into a Breckenridge beer budget, and I'm really excited about that. Yeah. So I'm going to go to the store nice. anyway and pick that up. Um, yeah, so if well, you guys want to try some Breckenridge wrong, beers. Oh? If people want to try... Breckenridge beer, they also don't want to go out to the Drizzly app to get it delivered. Is that what's going yep. on? Yep. Yeah. 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 You can definitely get that delivered from our friends from Davidson or Total Bev or wherever. Um, but yeah, use the beer locator on the website and it'll tell you where you can get it yourself or you can go to one of our other partners and they will hook you up instead. Uh, also, uh, now is a great time to get in on the Colorado Raptors. Uh, we at DNVR are covering the Raptors now. Colton Strickler is awesome. And uh, if you need Big some sports, maybe, maybe this is the time that you should be spending learning how rugby works um, because there is a professional rugby team right here just outside of Denver. And they're a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 Totally so, agree. so definitely do that. Uh, follow DNVR Raptors on Twitter. Read the content. Listen to the podcast. A lot of it right now is explaining how Raptor or rugby works, um, so that when sports come back, you'll know all about all this stuff. Be ready to go. Yeah, yeah, totally. I I actually have been doing that deep diving into different sports. I don't know all that well, and I've started on rugby a little bit, and that's just been a blast. So enjoy. All right, uh, we've got seven questions today. Um, really excited. We actually haven't prepared, or at least I haven't, by reading these. So uh, we're going to be kind of on the spot here. Uh, Samuel Bisu says, Hey, guys, hope all is well with you and your families. Thanks for still giving us a way to take our minds off of the huge problems in the world today. Uh, I really hope the Broncos draft one of the four offensive tackles at 15. I think left tackle is a much more important position than receiver two, but if they go receiver, I won't complain. Hmm. Question, who is a day two defensive lineman that you think the Broncos should be targeting? Someone like Draymond last year. Last year, I was with my son watching the draft, and when the second round came, we were hoping for Reisner. When the third round came, we were shouting for Draymond. We're very excited the Broncos picked them both. This was because we listened to the draft podcast all year long. Keep safe and healthy. Yeah, well, you definitely made some good decisions. Those are the guys you should be pulling for. Um, We've talked a lot about the tackle receiver debate um and what it comes down to is i like the round one receivers better than the round one tackles i like the round two tackles better than the round two receivers and so that it just seems like the value is better when you look at it that way um but yeah i i definitely think that left tackle is a bigger need and so maybe you do just spend your like more capital trying to fix that position where do you stand on that stuff right now dre 
Yeah, I mean, the other factor that comes into play is I think while one of the top three receivers might, dra- might drop, I see it less likely that one of the big four offensive tackles will drop. Um, and mm-hmm. the other argument we've made is, um, you know, I think it's it comes down to guys like Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, Mackay Becton, Jedrick Wills, phenomenal prospects, and all like the the NFL ready and potential upside equation is really enticing on those four because they can be like plug and play starters pretty early and then have the upside to become like top 10 guys at their respective positions um, down the road. But that next tier of tackles, they don't have that NFL ready level that guys like Thomas or Becton or Wills or even worse have, but their upside is comparable. I mean, guys like Austin Johnson, Tegawanagu, even Josh Jones and, you know, that that second tier of tackles we've talked about so much, they have very comparable upside to those top guys to where I wouldn't be surprised at all if in three years we're like, wow, can you believe Shadiq Charles dropped to the second round and now he's looking like the second best offensive tackle prospect of that class? Or you could be saying that about Ezra Cleveland or Niang mm-hmm. or like all these guys in that second tier. Well, and I guess you, sure, you could make the argument that in this loaded wide receiver class, we'll be saying the same thing about Denzel Mims or Justin Jefferson or Jalen Rhaegar or even Michael Pittman and so on and so forth. But I just think there's a little more clear separation with Lamb, Judy, and to a lesser extent, Ruggs, who again, as a decoy, just presents so much value, um, where I, I do think the ability for one of those top wide receivers dropping and that separation does make me a little more enticed to go wide receiver at 15 over tackle. Um, of course, it depends on what tackles are still available and what wide receivers are still available. Yeah, But that's and kind of my philosophical thinking. I agree. Uh, I think the big thing for me is I look at Jerry, Judy, and CeeDee Lamb, and I think there's virtually no bust potential there. Yeah. I think that both are just surefire NFL players. And, you know, you look at the tackles, and, like, I do think a lot of them are ready to play and that they could be really good, but I do think that there's still some more bust potential with those guys than there is with those receivers. Um, Yeah. Moving along with the rest of the comment, um, he says, "Yeah, day oh, two is D-line. there a, a day two defensive lineman that you think the Broncos should target? Um, I think, you know, Devon Hamilton could be worthy of a second round pick. Right, um, right. I well, think third that, round, you said. Yeah, I had him in the third round and said that that might be a little bit optimistic. Um, you know, Ross Blacklock, I really like Neville Gallimore. Um, I don't think there's yeah, much of a chance sure. that either of the top two with Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw falls. Um, no, but maybe, no, maybe an Epinesa falls and yeah, good point. He's a guy like you move up a couple spots in the second round four and he could definitely fit on a defensive line. Um, God, the way the Broncos that would play be it. a steal, man. And Marlon it Davidson is intriguing as an interior pass rusher. I've really grown mm-hmm. on him. 
Um, Justin Madbuki from Texas A&M. We don't talk about him enough. But he's got a really intriguing package of skills, especially his ability to kind of, um, you know, uh, crash the pocket and get some interior penetration to disrupt the quarterback. And then, you know, later on day two, more like round three, Hamilton, who we've already talked about, definitely, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Lakey Foto, who we've talked about all year. Uh, Raekwon Davis starts to come into the equation. Guys like that, I think you you start to think about. Yeah. And in round three, it's going to be guys that are a little more one-dimensional. Round two, those guys mm-hmm. we mentioned, shoot, either either they're two-dimensional and they can really be pretty stout run defenders while also being able to give you some pass rush ability, or their upside as interior rushers is so enticing that it kind of separates them. Um, so yeah, there's there's like ten names for you to kind of look out for in in day two for sure. Perfect. Um, moving along to the next question, uh, which comes in from Yo Bronco. What are your thoughts on the Broncos looking for a running back in free agency? I'm not big on teams paying for backs in free agency. Wouldn't it be much better to draft one? I would love to see Edwards Alaire or Cam Akers in orange and blue. Akers could be a beast after how well he performed behind a terrible offensive line at Florida State. Thoughts in what round? If the big three receivers and favorite tackles are gone by 15 and Kinlaw is there, do we happily take him? Thanks, guys. Okay, so running backs. Uh, I think we've pretty much talked about our thoughts there. God, but this makes me so sad. Like, Wyo Bronco, you're so right. Like, Cam Akers (laughs) would be so awesome. We were talking last pod about how Mm -hmm. enticing he is because he creates his own yards, right, despite a bad O-line. Or maybe we were talking about this with Swift. Or maybe I wasn't even talking to you about this. I forget. But um, I can't remember. It, it's just so intriguing when running backs have that ability to like create their own runs. And you really see it in a guy like Cam Akers. Um, I mean, geez, I, I guess not totally out the question still. But you imagine seems less likely that they would target a running back in that range. And yeah, Edwards Hilaire, how intriguing is that dude, especially for what he can do on third down for you, both as a receiver. I think he's a pretty good blocker. Uh, His balance and his contact balance is really intriguing. So man, yeah, agree with you a hundred percent on that, but it's a way to, to take a need off the board, consolidate draft assets. So when, at whatever point you want to move up, if it's from 15 to 11, if it's from, you know, the kind of trade that you did, Henry, and your uh, ideal mock draft, now you have more wiggle room to do that because you do have a running back and at least Gordon's on just a two-year contract. So you kind of, you have a window there with not having to pay your quarterback and some of your better offensive playmakers like Cortland Sutton or Noah Fant or Phil Lindsay right now. Yep, and you know, I I don't really think that takes drafting a running back off the table. I just think that means you're drafting a late round running back. Yep. Um, I think it depends on what you think of Royce Freeman. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon typically plays 12, 13 games a year. Um, do you want Phil to be the bell cow those other weeks, or are you trying to rotate another guy in? Um, if you're trying to rotate somebody in and you don't think Royce Freeman's the guy, then maybe you look at like a a J.J. Taylor, Salvin Ahmed, um, two Pac-12 guys. Yeah. I think Ahmed yeah. was running like yeah. 
I don't think he broke four three, but he was in the low four threes. Um, JJ Taylor also just no. Crazy I think fast. he really disappointed. That's why he'll yeah. drop so late. He's like a speed back, but now he tested really poorly, so he'll be around in the in the late round. So it's it's a perfect opportunity to pounce off that. Yeah, so maybe you take somebody like that. Maybe Josh Kelly from UCLA falls, and you want a uh, big, powerful guy. Um, yeah, to pair Please, with Joshua two Kelly. of your more speedy guys. I don't know. I think that's on the table. I think the problem is that Royce Freeman has just shown you nothing. You know, you don't nope. even look at him and say, "Well, he can be your big back because he's so adverse yeah. to to contact." Like he's well, he's he never pops just everything outside, me. right? Right. Yeah, oh, you're right. And so, I I do think that sooner or later it's just going to become time to cut ties with Royce Freeman, and the question is whether they want him to play out his contract um, and not spend a pick on whoever you have replacing him. Um, right. You know, even you know Ahmed, uh, JJ Taylor, those could both be guys that you could get as undrafted free agents potentially too. And yeah, totally. You know, you've seen the Broncos have success with those types of guys, um, those undrafted mm-hmm. free agents. Maybe they're going to just hunt those. I mean, when you have those late seventh-round picks, that's kind of the same thing as just getting your pick of the undrafted guys. I'm um, not yeah. sure how you're convincing anybody that they're getting playing time behind Melvin Gordon and Phil Lindsay, but I don't know. I, 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 I It is disappointing, though, because, I mean, you, we had even talked ourselves into the potential for you know, one of the big three running backs, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, uh, J.K. Right. Dobbins. Like, Dropping one of them 46. could fall. And then, yeah. yeah, maybe you just snag one of those there. Uh, I know. I don't know. I know. That would have been fun. I, I, the thing is, Melvin Gordon is exciting. You know, having him on the Broncos, you could see how things could turn around. He could be I mean, one of the best backs in the league. It's just also kind of... It's probably it's not a smart move, according to the nerds. Um, yeah, it's an exciting move though, right? I mean, sure, sure, sure. It's exciting. It could have been just as exciting at like half the money though. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, and then it could have not been a dumb move, like, especially when like, you have Todd you Gurley wanted, and Devontae Freeman sitting out there too. Right, right. I mean, Gurley's been signed, but it's a one-year deal and it's cheaper yep. annual. That's just as. It, if what you want is to sell excitement, I could sell you excitement at a bit more of a bargain. I hate to be that guy, by the way, but I'm just, you know, got to call it like I, I said. We'll see how it all pans out. Um, yeah. He says, if the big three receivers and favorite tackles are gone by 15 and Kinlaw's there, do we happily take him? I mean, oh, it kind of depends on how everything else shakes out. But, I mean, uh, you assume that not only have the big four tackles, the big three receivers been gone, but the big four defenders are already gone. So no Chase yep. Young, obviously. No Derek Brown, no uh, Okuda, and no Isaiah Simmons, which, again, I think that's a like fairly smart assumption. But we're just, yep. just to cover all our bases. But in the world where four tackles are gone, three receivers, that's seven. That's four defenders. That's uh eleven. Yeah. Then uh you know, then you lose your three quarterbacks, that'll get you to fourteen, and then that's kind of the path to having a uh Javon Kinlaw exactly. be that top pick. 
Yeah. I think Javon I mean, Kinlaw is probably worst case scenario. He should is that fair be. to say? Um, he should. Worst case scenario. Well, we went over the true worst case scenarios last week. The true worst case scenario yeah. is uh, only two quarterbacks go, and then even Kinlaw is gone. And then Ugh. you're really staring at C.J. Henderson. Christian you're not Fulton. taking DeAndre Swift, right? You're not, not taking. I mean, and so then you start considering, Epinesa? well, right, Epinesa. Do you look at Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen? Do you look at the next tier of wide receivers or offensive tackles? Uh, do you look at a guy like Xavier McKinney, um, who after the combine, I think that would be a little rich. Uh, yeah, that would be problematic, but that's why that's working a, the a phones hard. Yeah, yeah, you can anybody, say that. And hopefully, hopefully, there's some quarterback needy team. Um, you know, maybe right. I mean, at that point, uh, do you not just take Tua? Yeah, yeah. Seriously, and or, honestly, I mean, I'm Herbert, coming around on Herbert know. a little bit. I don't. I sure, mind. sure. I've come around. I mean, through the again, process. I don't think I don't I mean against the Broncos they have Drew Locke but you know it's not the end of the world you know in, in that scenario the Dolphins probably didn't take a quarterback they're sitting there at 18 maybe they want to jump up and get somebody um who yeah I, who I just are the don't Jaguars see it. rolling with at this point I mean Minshew yeah but probably not I mean between the and they're like, sitting the there Chargers, at 20 the Chargers are currently would be starting Tyrod Taylor. The Dolphins would currently be starting Fitzpatrick. Uh, mm-hmm. Go down the list. The Panthers would currently be starting Kyle Allen. Uh, you know, like there, there are plenty of needy quarterback teams in the top 10. I really see it hard for just two quarterbacks to be taken in the top 15. I think so four not, is more likely than two. Right. Right, exactly. So, Kinlaw, yeah, you probably take him happily, but you're working the phones. But you're not like, yep. it's not desperation time where we're willing to take a little below market value to move down here um, yeah. just to add assets. Uh, you take Kinlaw. But again, I think they can do slightly better than Kinlaw. I just, that's not the question yep. he's asking. He's asking, would you take Kinlaw? And yes, as you were saying, He's kind of a dream scenario with Jarrell Casey, uh, Draymond in the mix already. You could really have a dominant front, heavy rotation. They'd be pretty pretty darn good against the run and have incredible pass rush upside. That's how you really build a team, not just to compete for a championship down the line, but to, to give Patrick Mahomes trouble, to give that mm-hmm. Chiefs offense trouble. You get pressure up the middle. That's the hardest thing to stop. So, yep. yeah, yeah, totally. Would Kinlaw, you consider Kinlaw like with a Cesar Ruiz there too? Gosh, at 15, or, oh, man. Is that all rich for rich. you? Too yeah. rich. I'd rather Josh Jones. If we're going O-line, I'm taking oh, Josh Oh, really? Jones. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I think that's a good spot to uh, start talking about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental because yeah. after we're allowed out of our homes, we're probably going Oof. to want to take care of our teeth. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's... You, 
I mean, you are if you've been eating all the like baking goods my my wife's been making and stuff. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's it's time to get it's time to get under control. But then again, it's like I, I can't go out. I might as well treat myself and have some dessert or drink some coke mm. or something. You know, it's just like it, it's that a toughie. But great. so my teeth are suffering, and um, I've been been passing the time sucking on jelly or Jolly Ranchers, which are delicious. Oh, but that's those, a good idea. I might those get a hurt bag of my those. teeth. You should. You should. They, they, it's that a good way great. to pass the time in these these J's. Just sucking on a Jolly Rancher. That's what I'm up wow. to. Yeah. There's no way my mom ordered me Jolly Ranchers. None. Probably not because she's looking after your teeth. And just like Henry's mom, Green Mountain Dental will, will do the same for you. With a free Sonicare toothbrush if you schedule a cleaning right. x-ray and exam. Right. So... Go do it. Pretty, pretty In Lakewood, good. just outside Denver. Pretty, pretty. Uh, there's still going to be Curb, right? We're still getting another one of those on Sunday? Uh, I thought the season finale was last week. Oh, was that the finale? I think so. Oh, no. I might be wrong, though. Oh. I've been very no, distracted you're probably with life. Right. Looking back. Yeah. Life is yeah. weird now. Uh, back to the questions, though. It sure is. Um, mm-hmm. Next up is... Our friend, LA Bronco 30, who says, The pod was great, but this comment is to praise your film room on Glasgow. I'm so excited and confident in our oh. new O lineman and what he will bring to escalate both Locke's game and Phil's. He and Reisner together make this line so much more formidable and impressive. Thank you for the great work. Also, the film room on Boye was great too. Good job, Wow, Daniel. so nice. Thank you so much. And uh, expect more of those to be trickling in very soon i actually got some help from the graphics department because i know some of you guys on certain film rooms not the glasgow one because he's always playing the same position in all those clips but sometimes when guys are moving around like say jarell casey <laughs> you like to know where jarell casey is so i got the graphics oh, department yeah. to help me with that when you when when this pot is up you'll the film room will more or less be up at that point can't wait to dig into Gordon. Anyways, thank you very much oh, for that. I can't wait for you to dig into Gordon, too. If because you haven't already, think... please subscribe so you can look at all these film rooms, guys, and you're helping us out in these times where we all got to help each other out and stick together for sure. Yep. Well, and if you... Uh, it's so hard to just figure out whether a running back is good. You know? Like, that's one of those yeah. things where, like, you can you can see whether they can, like, juke guys out, but unless you actually put in the time... To like watch oh, every right, snap, right, 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 right. look at everything. Like nobody really knows. Like so much of what they do is reliant on other positions and play calling and whether the box is loaded. That just like if if you watch receiver highlights and you see Cortland Sutton mossing guys, you can be like, yeah, he's good. But to get like a taste for running back is so much more difficult. So I'm excited because I don't have time to do that. Yeah. Hey. That's what I'm here for, Hank, is to put in the put in that time and uh, you know ruin what's a, a, a fun acquisition for everyone. So, well, or maybe not, <laughs> yeah. or maybe get or excited. Maybe not. You know, that's the thing about these film rooms. I really go in and say, right now, I'm going to treat this as if it's the first time I've ever watched them. Keep a completely open mind, and that's why Glasgow can be fun because. I'm not here to have any preconceived notions. I'm just going to tell you what I'm seeing when when I dig into the tape. And then then you come up with some pretty cool findings. So that's that's always fun. All right. Uh, next comment from AvsWatch22. 
what up Italian stallion stallion and big Henry wow <laughs> I'm not nobody calls me big I like that um was super great hearing your live reactions and mock while free agency was occurring it's tough to adjust on the fly as the dust settles and the Broncos moves begin to slow down their biggest need left still feels like receiver right this is after signing Glasgow and trading Jano to the Browns. And hey, I once worked with someone at Costco who knew Najee Harris, so I'd pull for him to be a Bronco big time. When it really comes down to Ruggs versus Judy versus Lamb, I was told Jerry Judy is the best receiver in his class and will have the best career out of any receiver in this draft. Could this statement be true regardless yes. of the team he's drafted by? Why or why not? If Jerry Judy becomes a Denver Bronco on draft day, could that statement become true? Why or why not? Thank you, guys. Appreciate all your draft work. We're only about three weeks out from it now. Um, let's just start at the top here. Um, their biggest need left, would you say receiver? Uh, no. I think as, um, was it Wyo Bronco? No. Yep. It was Samuel Bisu. As Samuel Bisu was arguing, oh, yeah. I think the, the, the remaining biggest need is actually offensive tackle. So... You're you're more scared of having Garrett Bowles as your starting left tackle than having Tim Patrick as your number two and Deshaun Hamilton as your number three receivers. That's correct. Yep. Okay. I think I, I think I agree. Yeah. I think. Huh. Yeah. If you bring in like a Pro Bowl receiver, bump Tim Patrick to three, or bring in a Pro Bowl left tackle. I think that the Pro Bowl left tackle helps you out more. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Oh, it's hard. Um, yeah, when you put it close. like that, it's a little harder. It's, clo it, it's close for sure. It is close for sure. Um, but yeah, that's just my two cents. But I think you're splitting hairs. Those are death. Those have solidified themselves as the two biggest needs. And yep. whether, however you want to split hairs and say one's 1A, the other's 1B, one's 1B, the other's 1A, whatever your preference is with how you look at it, they're 1A and 1B. They're co-top they're co needs. Um, so both yep. need to kind of be addressed with those top two picks. And luckily, they're great classes at both positions. So I uh, think all that is holy that at least that is working out for us. Knock on wood. Agreed. Um, okay. Next up, when it comes down to rugs versus Judy versus Lamb, I was told Jerry Judy's the best receiver in the class. Do you agree with that? No, I do not. I think it's CD Lamb. Yep, I think so too, but I do think the gap is pretty small. Um It is as slim as can be. All right. They're, well, on the same page they're neck and neck on my board. They're neck and neck with the same grade. You know, again, we're kind of splitting hairs. But yeah, I think CD gives me a little more certainty and promises to have a little more high-end juice. Uh, the concern okay. with Jerry Judy is the, the consistency in the hands. I see some drops from time to time that concern me. And beyond the drops, what I've learned is don't overvalue drops as long as they show the ability to make the tough catches, to make those acrobatic catches. That's something that I don't see enough of from Judy to reassure me that the drops are just something not to worry about. C.D. Lamb, your concern is he's raw, uh, comes from an offense where he hasn't had to be a very like detailed route runner necessarily, mm -hmm. um, and maybe doesn't have that tip-top high-end athleticism. But boy, I think those tools are special. 
I think this is a guy who's just going to succeed. I think his floor is really high. Where at worst, he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver in the NFL and top 12 wide receivers in the NFL get paid a lot of money. And I think I could very more so than any other receiver in this class. CeeDee Lamb, to me, promises to be a top five player at his position in just a couple years. I feel more certain about that than I do any other player. So that's why I say okay. Um, and if you were to pick one only for their rookie year, which one would you want? That would be very dependent on where they were drafted. Yeah. Okay. Let's just say they were both going to the same place. Like you're just trying to plug a guy into a okay. defense and get production out of him in year one. Right. They both went like to the New Orleans Saints or something. Yeah. Um, Jeez, that's gonna be really close, man. No, I think Ju. I think I would put my money on Judy because he's a little more I do polished too. and NFL ready. Um, yep. Yeah, I'm confident he's yeah. generating space. Yep. There you go. There you go. And that's okay. where you really. I mean, that's a great way to put it, though, to kind of iron out all the minute differences that go into ranking these guys and trying to figure out who you like best. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. He says, could this statement be true regardless of the team he's drafted by that he'll have the best career? Can Jerry Judy be the best receiver in this draft class if he goes to the Broncos? Uh, sure, sure, sure. That's yep. definitely a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Working off of Cortland Sutton, working with Drew Locke. Mm -hmm. I feel pretty mm -hmm. good about both those things. Well, Same thing with the Pat, other guys. In Pat Shermer's offense, too. Um, yep. it, if you were to ask me who's the best fit for Pat Shermer's offense, I'd probably say Jerry Judy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think best fit with the Broncos too. Um, again, I, I, when, when you have a talent like CD lamb, I don't think I could pass him up for Jerry Judy, but you look at a guy like Jerry Judy and say, you pair him with Cortland Sutton. That just seems like mm -hmm. a dream mm -hmm. scenario. Mm -hmm. Whereas CD lamb, yeah. like again, great football player, but you don't look at him and say, wow, what a perfect fit as well. You still might take him and say, well, we'll find a little slot guy. We'll go big on the outside, small on the insides. You know, it, it'd still work out. But the way I see it, Jerry Judy just looks. You, you, I feel like I can just see Dude. that so clearly. Like Jerry Judy with yeah. the Broncos. You can see it so clearly. Yeah, for I sure. I don't know if that makes sense. No, no, for sure. Um, for sure. Okay. Uh, was that it? I think so. Um, yeah, I just said editing my last part. I mean, three weeks from April, which will be three weeks from the draft. I'm also editing this because we're only two weeks away from being three <laughs> weeks away. The draft is just creeping up on us. <laughs> yes, oh, we are also wait. very excited. Um, thanks, Spence, for reaching out, man. That's awesome. All right. Lone Star Bronco says, hey, guys, KJ Hill or Van Jefferson? Would you rather have oh. Thomas Aragor or Judy and Yang? Ooh, could Calvin Throckmorton be a developmental guard? He's fallen so far during the season and the draft process. Okay, let's start. KJ Hill or Van Jefferson? Oh, my gosh. These are amazing questions. I um, know. These are really KJ, good questions. KJ Hill or Van Jefferson is one I've already answered. Um, really? I'd take Van I Jefferson. Think, whoa. Uh, I would, would you not? KJ, why would you take Van I, Jefferson? I, I, I thought that was hot to, but because because Van is fast and like I know that maybe his ceiling is maxed out because he is like he he relies so much on his route running and there yeah. isn't too much more to come 
from his route running because you know like what his dad was a receivers coach something like that but yeah because he is so polished like I feel like you put him in the Broncos offense and he's he's what we all hope Deshaun Hamilton would be is there a maxed out ceiling maybe but I still think that he could be a top five top 10 true slot receiver in the NFL which is a valuable thing to have with KJ Hill maybe there's a little more upside maybe he can do more um Uh good route runner I don't see him quite as good day one, though, as I see Van Jefferson. Plus, Van Jefferson, that's a fast guy. Um, so I think Man, I would. I think I'm, I'd take Van Jefferson. I'm, like, shook right now. I, I it, It's like <laughs> I, I, I've seen you grow in front of my eyes. I'm, I'm just so – oh, I'm just elated to hear you say this. What a, what a great, like, draft – take and well thought out it's honestly you stumped me it's hard to agree with this i would say kj hill but you made the best argument for me um, yeah <laughs> well, van jefferson that. remember where we were we started prospect. this you're right dan yeah. is the safer prospect you're absolutely right with kj give me guys who can projection. play football yeah no I, I mean i guess you're right you're splitting hairs the beauty is i think van you can get about 30 picks after kj hill yeah yeah you feel I me agree. Like you might be yeah. able to get Van Jefferson mid fourth, while KJ Hill, I think you got to kind of pounce uh, in because, round three. So when you because put remember it that, that one-handed catch that KJ Hill made in practice, I sure do. Our guy Andrew Mason yeah. took that video side by side with. Me. Yeah. <laughs> well, Very there you exciting go. moment. So that means he's yeah. worth another extra round because of that catch, basically. Uh, frankly, it that's the way is. I see it. Which yeah, goes yeah. to show you how silly this process can be sometimes. Oh, Van Jefferson plays right. football. And now uh, have... Would you, ra- yeah? Would you rather have Andrew Thomas and Jalen Rager, or Jerry oh. Judy and Lucas Niang? I'm taking Judy and Niang I mean, all day. Yeah, I'm sticking to my cards, and this is ex- this is exactly the kind of scenario that has led us to say, all things equal we would rather get one of those top three receivers in round one because that next tier of offensive tackles, we feel like there's less of a drop off. And that's mm-hmm. how I feel here. That's how and I I'm feel just here. not nearly as high. Like there's that Rager Hamler, um, Ayuk yeah. trio uh-huh. that they're uh-huh. all so similar in so many ways. And mm-hmm. I feel like I've just been, I was very low on them in the beginning. Then I got very high on them. And now I'm back to being uh-huh. like, eh, I'm just not so sure. And that's that's kind of where I've fallen right now. And I don't think that's going to change again before the draft. I just, I'm just not in love. Like I said, I like the big guys after the first round a lot better than the small guys. Until you get to Van Jefferson. Um, <laughs> that's who I like. Damn you and your <laughs> Van Jefferson takes. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, Hank. I, I agree completely. Okay. I think... This whole time, we just anticipated not being able to even sniff Judy or Ruggs in round one. So we were talking mm-hmm. ourselves into Rager and, uh, you know, uh, Hamler and Ayuk. And now that we've kind of opened our eyes to, no, I think we will be able to get one of these guys. It's the tackles we won't be able to get. We're realizing that's kind of a dream scenario right here with the depth and upside that that second tier of offensive tackles has. And maybe no one exemplifies that depth and upside better than Lucas Niang. So yeah, great. Agreed. Oh, lifetime. Oh, and the final. um, Yeah. Yeah, But one more point on that. It does remind me, uh, Cortland Sutton 
is is just so much of like uh he is the biggest of big receivers you know like like yeah. you have your little shifty slot guys and you have Jerry Judy who's kind of like a little shifty slot guy but he can do enough that on that spectrum he isn't quite on that end like Cortland Sutton right. is very much on the big receiver end of the spectrum um you the thing it. is if you if you draft a CD Lamb who's very much like him I think that you get scared off from taking a third big receiver. You know, just say like a, a, a Denzel yeah. Mims falls. Yeah. Like all of a sudden you're like, I don't know that we need three of this type. Whereas you bring in a guy like Jerry Judy, I think that opens you up so that you can take a big receiver. Or you can take a little guy like KJ Hill or Van Jefferson who runs the slot. And I think that that's right. the type of versatility that you get drafting a Jerry Judy over a CD Lamb. Um, yeah, no, can't so disagree yeah, with you. On those that. are some thoughts. Okay, uh, third and final question from Lone Star Bronco. Another really good question, and one that we kind of answered earlier. Uh, could Calvin Throckmorton be a developmental guard? He's fallen so far during the season and draft process. We talked about this earlier, and definitely. I, th- I think mm-hmm. I, all season, really, I think you're the first one. You said he actually might fit better as a guard than as a tackle. Um and, you know, that's what makes him so valuable to a team like the Broncos that has plenty of holes to fill. You know, the, the interior may be more problematic right now, but, you know, Jawan James has injury troubles. You know, if, if yeah. you don't pick up a tackle to take Garrett Bowles' place, having that versatility, um, similar to Graham Glasgow coming in, you could put him at center, you could put him at guard. Um, oh, I, no. I think that that makes Calvin Throckmorton a great fit in Denver. Yeah, you got to love that versatility. And I think once you put him in the phone booth rather than keeping him out on an island outside, he, a lot of his deficiencies will be put to rest, you know. Um, but yeah, he's a guy who, man, we were talking about him. Um, we were saying, oh, great value getting him in the third on that mock you sent to us two months ago. Now it's like, geez, is this guy even going to be <laughs> drafted, you know? Um, yeah. So things things change quickly in the draft world, and they sure have for old old Throck, who that name the stock on his name has not changed at all uh, on his mm-hmm. on his potential mm-hmm. and play style. That. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so where do you stand on him? What what round would you feel comfortable considering him? Uh, he's got a day three grade for me now. Um, I probably don't start looking at him until round five. Um, there's okay. some other interior offensive linemen I prioritize over him, like Shane Lemieux, like Nick Harris, like Ben Bredson, um, John Runyon, mm-hmm. guys like that. Maybe even Jake Jake Hansen, though that's neck and neck. Okay, good to know. Um, Michael on Final question. Michigan, the other guy, yeah. Okay. Also, uh, the senator from Georgia, Saul McKinley. I guess that's a ways up in front. Okay. Um, right, Count right, Locula, right. who gave us the question, the great question that we spent yeah. um, a lot of the beginning of the show on, is back with another. He says, fellas, I hope this missive finds you in fine health and drafty spirits. Picture an old person saying, quote, I feel a draft but they aren't cold. They're actually referring to the upcoming NFL draft process. Okay. I like it. Um, totally in my mind. He continues, of these guys, Mims, Ruggs, Lamb, Judy, Rager, who are your uh-huh. closest projected comps of ride receivers from the last 10 years? Are any of these 2020 receivers close to being locks for all pro, pro bowl, or ring of fame careers? 
Look into your sanitized crystal balls and project out 10 years for these five. Thanks, gents. Love the count. This is another fun one. Um, So what we do? Thank you so much. Thank you all for contributing to this. You know, uh, the first question you, you thanked us for keeping on doing this. We thank you. We couldn't keep doing this without you. And I mean, you give us strength. So it's just amazing what this community has given, given us. I, I am so incredibly thankful. This is a great question. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Lofty projections and comps. Yep. Comps. Um, actually let's start here. Are any of these 2020 receivers close to being locks for all pro pro bowl or ring of fame careers? I would say Jerry Judy is a lock to be for a pro bowl career. What do you think of that? I've seen guys I felt as certain about at wide receiver stumble and fail. Um, so okay. I would err on the side of caution and say just barely no one is quite at that super duper level. Um, I don't okay. have any receiver with a grade above a first round grade. First round grades I give to P- to players I project to be high-end starters so yeah that could be a couple pro bowls to say a pro bowl Mm -hmm. career to me means a little higher that's when i give you a top 10 grade um okay so yeah just just a a smidge higher but again we're splitting hairs here hank yep and for me jerry judy i think he's going to a pro bowl i'm I'm, i'd be confident saying pro bowl a pro bowl yeah i i would not bet against you yes i agree all right. But to me, um, a single Pro Bowl is different from a Pro Bowl career. Oh, okay. You, you get well, where I, I'm, I'm with the semantics I get, I get what I'm you mean. getting into. Okay. okay. Yeah, I love your semantics. Um, okay, <laughs> yeah. I think C.D. Lamb, I, I, yeah. it's so close to being able to say it. But again, uh-huh. like, yep. there's still the question when he hasn't shown the refined route running. And it's not like he's been a bad route runner, but... no. He needs to take another step, or he needs to be the freak that doesn't need that much separation. And I just can't, I can't say lock for either of those things. There is still just a tiny bit of bust potential, as small as it can be. Um, yeah, Mims, Rugs, Rager. I think again, they they all have more clear paths to never making a Pro Bowl. Okay. Um, yes. Yes. Let's do some. Comps next. So let's do comps. Uh, starting at the top. Yeah. Denzel Mims. <sighs> Mims is an intriguing one. Great size, great athlete, mm-hmm. very acrobatic, extending from his body, making tough catches. Uh, fairly complete, but at the same time unrefined in certain areas, like his route running and what have you. Maybe even some questions say, about how good his route running could be. You know, yep, like yep, like he right. he doesn't he doesn't strike you as a quick twitch. He's going to yes. be able to get in and out. He might just be like a sevens and nines guy. Very good point. I doubt yeah. it. I doubt it. But sure, that's, that's why he isn't up at the top of the draft. That's a concern you may have. Um, I had this player graded a little higher than where I'll have Mims. But comparable, I think you see some Devontae Parker. Though mm. Parker, I thought, was a little more complete and thus graded a little higher. 
but there's a okay. comp I could throw out for you um, for mints. Um, yeah. I like it. Uh, it's actually tough. You know, he's a tougher one. There's, it, it is. Um, I had he reminds some me Alan a Robinson little bit vibes, of, but yeah. Allen Robinson isn't quite as fast. He's a better athlete. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. He reminds me one. of a slightly smaller but faster Hakeem Butler, who was drafted last year out of Iowa State, dropped a little okay. to round three. Um, I, I get he 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 checks off a lot of the same boxes that um, Butler did for me last year as well. But again, different body types, and yeah, Robinson's another comp I consider. Well, and what what makes Mims I think so tough to come up with a comp for is that you know first of all he's like long and length lanky, but also he's he's like a sprinter. Yes. Like, you yes. know, he's very much like that, just straight up track speed, long stride mm-hmm. type. I don't know. That's a tough one. Uh, let's Total. let's jump ahead to uh, what's next? Pull up. There we go. Henry Ruggs. Ruggs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, Henry Ruggs. It's John Ross, right? Uh, no, I, I, I can't. Uh. I can't. I can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, like Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson's a good comp, though Jackson, of course, a little more productive in college. But Jackson, the reason Jackson dropped to to round two, I remember that was one of my first draft experiences where it was like, wait, how's he dropping to round two? How's this guy still around? Um, Oh, the little one came through. Hi, sweetie pie. We're giving (laughs) comps to Henry Ruggs, okay? Um, And then another (laughs) comp I've thrown out there is Will Fuller with better hands. Will Fuller, the drops were really concerning, okay. but his ability as a decoy, of course, is really intriguing. And Ruggs has those same abilities as a decoy and vertical stretcher, but uh, doesn't have any of the drop concerns that Ruggs had. So, you know, one that. comparison that gets thrown around a lot, maybe not even comparison, but people saying that Henry Ruggs could kind of be the Broncos' answer to Tyreek Hill. Why do you think that that isn't a good comp? Or do you think that? I think Tyreek Hill is a little bit like Barry Sanders. Um, he's a, there are those, he's a little bit like Christian McCaffrey, uh, like Lamar Jackson. Um, those players that there just aren't really comps for. Uh, they're like one in a, not even a, a million, not even one in a generation. They're just like one in the history of the world. Um, and that's yeah. just where Tyreek Hill is. He's such such a unique body type, such a unique speed. You know, I, I've said it countless times. I'm convinced he would be a guy competing for medals in the 100 yards if that's what he dedicated his life to and was able to put in the time and train professionally. Uh, so I just think it's it's different. Tyreek Hill's different. And his path to the NFL was way different, both with the off-field concerns, being kicked off of Oklahoma State, uh, going to a really small college in like West Alabama, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's just a unique comp and path. All right. Um, C.D. Lamb? 
Lamb is an interesting one. I think he's a bit of a hybrid. Um, that you know, he's got that real overwhelming physicality um, that an AJ Brown has, um, oh, okay. but the, didn't have that drop off that an AJ Brown has, and has more speed than AJ Brown. And where he's really impressive is going up to make those tough catches almost like an old El Beckham Jr. So, and and mm. he's got that great yak ability that Brown and Odell both shared coming out of college. So I'd almost say he's like a hybrid of Odell Beckham and someone like A.J. Brown, who's got a bit more of a physical element to their game. Okay. Um, what's up next? Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy. Ooh, okay. Um, I still have Antonio Brown vibes from him. Ooh, that's a really good one. Very good. Like big school Antonio Brown. And Antonio, of course, ran like in the mid four fives. That's why he dropped to round like day three. Um, Yeah. And uh, well, you know, of course, uh, Judy's uh, exceeded that. I think that's a really good comp coming out of college. I think he is very, very similar to what Amari Cooper was um, Mm, coming out of college. And that's not just because they're both Alabama out of Alabama. They're just those rare, like highly polished route runners, game breakers in college. You worry maybe about that super duper high end upside. Um, you know, wh- where does that skill level cap out? Are they top 10 wide receivers? Are they top five? Mm-hmm. Are they just top 15? But you're pretty certain they're going to be like high end wide receivers in the NFL and make boatloads of money. So I'd say Amari Cooper. I like it. Uh, Jalen Rager. Uh, a little, a little Brandon Cooks and what Cooks was at Oregon State. Uh, again, both guys kind of one man bands at their schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Richardson was a similar way in that they're speedsters and they're one man guys, and the the production kind of fluctuated, and there were some injury concerns. Um, but he's got that strong kind of lower half. Uh, which makes him very valuable yak weapon, almost like a bigger Tyler Lockett. So that's probably the comp okay. I'd settle in and is bigger Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett also a contributor on special teams, something Rhaegar can do. And Lockett, because of his size, dropped a bit in the draft. Rhaegar, because he's a little bigger, will go higher than that. Okay. I like it. Um, was that pretty all good, huh? I think that's all of them. Yeah, those are really good. Let's see. Awesome. Um, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I'm refreshing uh, if you to guys make have sure any... no one came in. <laughs> yeah. If you guys have at any questions, leave them on the post for today's show at thednvr.com. We'll get to them whenever we do another draft pod. I think there's going to be more of them coming because uh, we're getting close to the draft. Really close. Yeah. Um, yes. So keep the questions coming. Um, they're all great and a lot of fun. And we will see you next week sometime.